Because of the way the universe is created, we each of us live in two worlds at the same time. We have to live in the outer life of our own bodies and the inner life of our own souls. Hello and welcome to Living in the Inner Life. I'm your host, Chris Sheridan, and I want you to join with me on a discovery and inquiry process into our inner lives, this interior part of ourselves that's filled with our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs, our memories, all of our life experiences that go into how we respond to and take in the outside world in our total life. Now, one of the greatest things in life is love, and this being Valentine's Day 2023 at the time of this recording, I thought I would give that a shot. So this is the romance of the soul, sometimes known as the hermetic marriage, and it is the most common theme behind just about every love story allegory from religious scripture or mythology, movies, and even fairy tales, which we're very familiar Okay, so what is this? You know, who is Prince Charming? Who is Sleeping Beauty? Okay, these are parts of ourselves, whether it's Orpheus and Eurydice, if it's Tristan and sold, if it's really anybody uh, in these characters, because these are allegories. They tell us something about ourselves. This is true love. This is the real love, the romance, the marriage between the sun and the moon between yin and yang, that completeness can only be found when these two parts are harmonized together. Now, in our human lives, and the one way that we can look at some of these ancient and forever love stories, because they get told and retold over and over again, is that it seems like it's with two people. And yes, that's true, and these are characters, but really what it's getting to, it's an allegory for the two parts of ourselves. We have this material body and we have a spirit, a spiritual energetic life force. The two have to be united. Now in our everyday lives, they are to a certain degree, but there's something broken, there's something not connected. Okay, and that's this marriage. We have to become one with ourselves, with these two halves of ourselves. Because if it's just a patriarchy or just a matriarchy, we're going to be incomplete. It's when these two are brought into balance, harmonized, to where the best of each is brought in together in this relationship, this sacred marriage, that we have harmony and beauty and power and a life force and purpose that's worth living, okay? So let's start with Sleeping Beauty, for instance, all right? Beauty, that is the better part of ourselves, uh, the soul, is asleep. And where she is asleep? She's in a forest. She's hidden, okay? And Prince Charming has, I guess that's who the character is, has to find her, okay? Because he has to be reunited. And it is that spiritual force okay, that can energize and vitalize the material, the sleeping beauty, to wake her up. Okay? And so he has to go through trials. He has to go through the forest. There's thorns and thistles and all kinds of obstacles, which is what we have to get through in our lives to get to that 
beauty, that part of ourselves that's asleep, that needs to be awakened, okay? And when he finally does get her, and I guess it's with a kiss, uh, she's restored, she's awakened, the two are united as one. That's why we have this wedding ring, it's a continuous band. This circle is now complete, but it's complete within each individual. Now, in our lives, the way we're constructed, with male and female, whether that's biological or any other way you want to look at gender, we're looking at it in a symbolic sense, okay? Like you have positive and negative in an electrical current. You need to have both or you have no current. You have to have electrons and positrons in each atom for life to exist, for anything to exist, okay? And you have to have zeros and ones or you don't have binary code, okay? So never mind the language. This is the positive and the negative. It is the spiritual and the material. It is intellect and beauty that together produce this most amazing creature. And that is ourselves. That is our better selves. So I know in movies, there's a line, you know, you complete me talking to another person. But in these fairy tales and myths and scriptural stories, it's really the romance between the two that brings the one together. So yes, maybe we do need this other person in our lives or this other part to awaken the part inside, but it's a part that we already have, okay? And this is the job that we have to do. We have to find the sleeping beauty. We have to reawaken her, bring her back into the fold, okay? And it could also be Cinderella. Look at that one. What does Cinderella need? She's cut off from her true heritage. She's shoved in the basement. Uh, in a way, she's the one that's sleeping, although she's very active. She's separated from her Prince Charming. And for her to attain that, to reunite with that part of herself, she has to go through the stepsisters, the stepmother, all the obstacles, um, all the disadvantage, all the powerlessness that she feels. And she brings in this supernatural force, the fairy godmother, and she has tasks to complete. Uh, you need this divine guidance, whether it's a Merlin or Tinkerbell or whoever uh, in fairy tales, or if it's a mentor, or if it's the gods and goddesses of mythology. We need this archetypal force to carry us through because we can't really do it on our own. And the good thing is we don't have to, okay, because we're brought together and we bring these parts of ourselves together through this larger force that wants to be called out that wants to come forth that guides us inspires us to complete this part of ourselves to become complete people we can't have yin without yang okay and if we take a moment for taoism the yin the dark has a little spot of the light and the dark part having this part of the light the light part also has a part of the dark so there's that part within each half and the two halves have to come together 
All right, so back to Cinderella, she's able to make it to the ball, and the slipper only fits her because each individual only has one soul, one way of making this work out, and it has to be the right match. We have to become true to ourselves, bringing these two forces together. Now, there's the mythological story of Orpheus and Eurydice, Orpheus being this amazing musician, could play better than everybody, and his beautiful playing brought in this love with Eurydice, and with her by his side, this inspiration to go along with this skill. He was able to pleasure and amaze and dazzle crowds and the gods and goddesses from all over through his music. Well, once she was bitten by a serpent and taken away down to the underworld, Orpheus had to go in and make a deal with Pluto to bring her back under the condition that he not look back on the way up to the surface. And as the story goes, it's a tragic story, but it's a lesson. It's a cautionary tale. He did look back, and then she disappeared back into the underworld, never to return again. He made it to the upper world, but his music, although technically proficient, didn't have the inspiration, didn't have the beauty. Okay, It was cut off, and people turned on him. They didn't like his music. He was exiled and finally murdered. Uh, that's how bad it was, okay? Because that's the death of us if we don't bring this other half in, okay? And reunite ourselves, like with sleep, uh, with um, Beauty and the Beast, okay? We can move on to that, okay? The Beast was, I guess, under a spell or somehow transformed um, as a punishment uh, into this hideous creature, um, which is what we can become if we just rely on facts and intellect and reason and all these kind of masculine associated things without the beauty, mm -hmm. without inspiration, without um, you know, excitement, okay? This life force that makes all the cold technology come to life and be interesting and be exciting and be, you know, able to show your face in the world. The beast couldn't show his face. He was hideous. Uh, but she was able to bring that out in him. It was something that was already there. It was something that was lost. Okay, and this, there's a lot of these forest motifs going on uh, with these myths. Of course, at the time when a lot of them were written, people did live a lot closer to nature. You know, the forest wasn't that far away. Yes, there were cities and towns, but you were never that far removed from nature. So I think that helped develop some of these cues from nature. So in the winter, uh, in the fall, the leaves fall off the trees. And in the winter, the trees are barren. Uh, they don't look good. They look kind of scary, to tell you the truth. And, you know, twisted branches, and they look dead. And the whole place looks dead until the light, the sun, comes in, warms things up, and Mother Earth thaws out, and the leaves reappear. And not only do the leaves reappear, the birds come back and nest in the branches. Okay? And the kids climb the trees. You know, all this life comes in and through and to these trees. And in the winter, again, it will 
return back to that barren, dead-like state. Okay, so I think because you know people, you know, are at one time were a lot more associated, a lot more connected with nature, even just a hundred years ago. Uh, than we are now. I think we've lost some of that. And that's the Tin Man in uh, The Wizard of Oz. You know, here's this technology, you know, that needed to be oiled and it was, you know, a mechanical thing and it needed a heart, right? So that's a very similar uh, theme that goes on between this hard, cold, even if it's mechanically fantastic, even if it's the greatest idea, even if it's the most amazing scientific discovery, without beauty, without love, without this connection to something greater, to inspiration, it is either dead or, even worse, it becomes deadly, like nuclear power. What's the first thing we did once we harnessed the atom? We dropped a couple bombs. Okay, and that was certainly a technological marvel and scientific achievement, but it didn't really have, it didn't at all, I don't think, have that beauty, that inspiration, that truth, that Sophia energy that comes in and tempers the cold and the hard, the calculated and the sterile. It brings it to life, and by bringing it to life, it also honors life. And that's why you really can't have that if you're going to build bombs and, and drop them on people. You, you, that would mess up your whole program if that's what you were interested in, okay? And if you're not interested in that, use that as a warning, okay? If you don't have that in your life, if you don't have that connection to that beautiful, that inspiring that loving, life-giving, life-honoring part. You don't really have anything, okay? And the same is true the other way, okay? If you're just the earth without the sun, nothing's going to grow, okay? Both need each other, and they need each other to be in harmony. And what is repeated again with these myths is that it is somehow cut off. Okay, asleep. Uh, Rapunzel is in the tower. You know, it's up there. It's hard to get to. And that's the thing about attaining this, about finding that other sacred half within yourself. We learn from these myths and these stories, these fairy tales, that it's very difficult. You have to go through the forest, you to recapture the maiden from the dragon. You either have to slay the dragon or somehow bargain with it um, to release it because it's hoarding it. It's hiding it. It's hiding the gold. It's hiding the love. It's hiding this sleeping beauty. Okay? She's captive. You know, sometimes we feel like we're prisoners in our bodies and we have to move around and do this and do that and go here and go there. And where's the life? Where's the love? Where's the beauty that makes everything better, okay, this vitalizing force, okay? So we have to go through difficulty. It's not something that's easy to do, and there's a reason for that, you know? That's part of the quest. That's the great quest. It's the holy grail, 
the quest for that. What is the grail? The chalice. What's that? The heart, the womb, all these things that make life worth living. Okay, so whether it's going through the forest, whether it's um, bargaining with the underworld, or encountering any number of demons or dragons or creatures that can get in your way, that can keep you separated from that, okay, has to be conquered. And that's part of the process. Because what that does is that makes you ready. It makes you the hero. This is the hero's journey. This is the hero's quest that goes out and returns with this greater part, this connection to the larger, more whole, completely whole part of life that we are so missing. And I think in this day and age, in modern times, more so probably perhaps than, than other times, uh, through technology, we can be separated from each other and from ourselves. Everything's out there, or it's on a screen, okay? And we have artificial intelligence now. But you know what? Artificial intelligence, guess who codes artificial intelligence? Guess who invented artificial intelligence? People. And people have problems. People do things wrong. People make mistakes. People have bias, opinions on things. And that goes into the coding. It goes into the program. It goes into the robot. So this technological marvel <laughs> that we're all seemingly now bowing uh, to and giving the better parts of our lives to was actually made by imperfect creatures. There's nothing perfect about it, okay? It's artificial, which right there should tell you that it's, it's not all that great. It's not natural. It's not authentic, okay? It's not real intelligence. It's artificial. Now, computers, technology, all that stuff is great if we use it to extend our existing capabilities. You know, if you're looking out into space, well, a telescope will bring even more objects closer, but you still have to have your visualizing um, capacity. You know, you still have to look into things, okay? Or if you have power, if you can walk or you can run, well, then you can get in a car and you can go a lot faster, but you still have to have the brains behind it that's going to drive correctly or it's going to go to the right place or you're doing something for the right reason. Otherwise, it's just technology and we're not, we're not waking beauty up. She's still asleep. She's still trapped in the forest. Okay, meanwhile, we're too busy with our phones and internets and all kinds of things and Ironically, you're probably listening to me right now <laughs> on a phone uh, with binary code and using technology and wireless and everything else, which is great, which is fine. Okay, but we have to get back to beauty. We have to return to this sacred, this hermetic marriage, you know, of the sun and moon, of Hermes, this hermetic principle, okay, is this the two become one, the yin and the yang. And in the Hermetic tradition, it's the sun and the moon. The moon being very earthbound, very material, okay? Very changing, very solid, close. The sun being very powerful, but somehow further away, but needing this power 
to come in to vitalize the material. And from our point of view on Earth, the sun and the moon are, in a relative way, about exactly the same size, these two luminaries, the two brightest objects in the sky, the moon at night and the sun during the day, and they come together. You know, and you've probably seen the image on a beach towel or something where it's like a half sun or a half moon or there's a crescent moon embedded in the sun disk, okay? That's this marriage. That's yin and yang. It's the sun and moon. It's spirit and matter, which is also called, called the hard problem in science, that if matter and spirit are two different things, you know, how do they interact? How do they come together in living creatures? You know, and we talk about this in consciousness, that if the brain, you know, somehow produces consciousness and thoughts, um, or do those exist in some other way? Is the brain maybe like a receiver uh, that brings in the signal, and we have this ether, and we bring in thoughts, and we have thoughts, are they carried in through a past life? It's very mysterious, and we can't really prove or disprove any of that, but it's seemingly so that these are two different qualities. And yes, we have them both, and yes, they're both connected, but they're not engaged in every sense of the word, okay? So bring this in, have the romance, buy her flowers, go out there and search for her or him if it's Prince Charming the other way. It really doesn't matter if his beauty going after the beast to temper this beast and, and beautify and really release what's trapped, okay? The beast still was, you know, a handsome man and everything, but due to the enchantment and the curse or whatever spell he was put under, um, it was removed, it was hidden, it was covered up by this ugliness, okay? Or this sleepiness, you know, this awakening. That's why spiritual awakenings, you know, is a term that gets used a lot. When Buddha was asked, you know, are you enlightened? And he said, I am awake. That's sleeping beauty, awake, inside the Buddha, when he achieved the nirvana and liberation, and that's what we must do in our lives, okay? So through this forest of our busy lives and all the pressures and all the things on the news and everything that's going on, it seems like this world is dead, this world is ugly, this world has so much anger and hatred. Maybe it does. And maybe that's because we have been cut off and disconnected from that better part of ourselves and each other and within ourselves. So this sacred romance, this inner marriage of our own two halves is vital for us to have full, complete lives. And we will see you again here on Living the Inner Life, and may your romance be beautiful and full of love. May your technical skill be brought into harmony with the beauty and the love that will make all your thoughts, all your words, and all your actions worthwhile, purposeful, inspiring, loving, and giving to everyone else, to the world around us, 
because we need more of that. Thank you, and we'll see you again right here on Living the Inner Life.